This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. And welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And I was right. That's right. I was right last week when I talked about something. I mean, I try to be right when I talk about things on the show as much as possible. Uh, I try to make sure I get my ducks in order and all that. But I was, um, I was right in uh, my opinion on a uh, certain movie. If you will recall, last week I talked about a, a new movie that was going to be released on Christmas Day, uh, a movie featuring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. It's uh, in it, They're playing the characters of uh, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. John Watson, respectively, and it's called Holmes and Watson. And I said uh, I thought it looked horrible. In fact, I think the words I used was it looked like a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> um, turns out, I mean, it's still early, but it seems like I might be right on this one. Uh, as, uh, as I... Re- I'll recap a little bit of what I talked about last week when I I said I was seeing um, a whole bunch of video clips every day for about a week or so leading up to Christmas Day on my Facebook page. Every time I'd open up Facebook, well, each day anyway, when I first opened up Facebook, the second post in my news feed would be a, uh, a clip from the movie, trying to you know gin up some interest in going to see this movie. I think they, I think the studios are really, really pushing for a good opening day or week for the movie. Usually, it's an opening weekend, but this Christmas was on Tuesday, so you know I don't know how that factors, but because uh, it's not a weekend. And anyway, I'm recording this on Friday night, uh, three days after the. Uh, yeah, I guess we call it three days. Would you call it three days or four days after the movie was released? Anyway, uh, as of this afternoon, uh, the movie, which cost $42 million to make, which probably half of that went to the two stars, uh, has so far, at the, according to Box Office Mojo, made $12.5 million. That's domestic and foreign. Uh, the foreign markets are very little at this point. Most of that 12.5 is domestic. 
meaning in the United States, and the foreign markets, uh, not much. But that might be because it didn't open wide over there yet. My guess is they will make their money uh, from the foreign market, so they'll they'll make it all back. I'm, I'm sure they I'm sure they will. Those foreign markets seem to eat, eat up movies. They'll just take they'll just go for them. But I, I could be wrong, and I could be wrong. That uh, yeah, it wasn't a great start for the box office. Maybe it's a slow burn. Maybe word of mouth will get out and say, "Hey, you know all those trailers and clips and everything they've been showing on Facebook that make the movie look like it sucks? Those are all the worst jokes in the movie. There's so many better ones in there. That seems like a weird way to advertise a movie. Uh, but um, yeah, it uh, it doesn't look like it's doing so great. And 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 it's. And I'm not sure that the slow burn will work because, well, Rotten Tomatoes, which is a movie rating site, it's an aggregate. It puts together, it looks for all the uh, uh, comments uh, or the, the, the reviews from regular critics and top critics, and they they base those, and then and then they get the audience uh, reaction. So they'll give you a couple of scores, and so for the critics, the critics score for the movie is seven percent. Seven percent. This is a hundred percent would be a perfect movie. Seven percent is a bit short of that. The audience, which usually rates movies a little higher than the critics, uh, it does come in at twenty-six percent. So even the audience, it and and you got to figure that audience is the early audience to a movie like this. The audience that really thought Step Brothers was, was hilarious, which I haven't seen that one, but that's another movie with uh, Farrell and, uh, and Riley uh, teamed up in that. And then I guess uh, the Talladega Nights movie that, that had them both in that. I haven't seen that one either. As I said last week, it's not that I don't think that Will Ferrell is funny or that John C. Riley is funny. I think they're both talented uh, uh, actors. And that uh, Will Ferrell is one of those fearless kind of comic actors who will just really put it out there uh, and and take some chances. And I think John C. Riley is a terrific actor all around and uh, has a good comic sense in his acting as well. Um, you know, the Dewey Cox movie, he was in that one, right? He was the guy. Wasn't he in the guy? Uh, maybe he was. Maybe that was the guy that was in The Office. I don't know. The, uh, he's good, too. Rain Wilson, he's good, too. But I think it was... Well, never mind. Uh, it's so I, it's so far after a few days. It does appear that I was right that the movie is horrible, and it's not doing so well with the audiences, and it's not raking in a lot of money. Which leads me to say this: you know, Hollywood, if you're going to produce a movie, and you don't, I mean, come on, you're not idiots. You had to know early on that this wasn't going to be very funny. I'm sure everybody involved had a great time making the movie. I'm sure the two actors and all the rest of the actors and the crew and the director, they all had a blast. Oh, this is fun. But if they still do the thing, you know, the dailies, looking at the dailies, I don't know if they still do that because they have that video thing that Jerry Lewis developed where you also have video cameras set up at the same time as you have the other cameras set. and So, so the uh, director can watch video playback right away. And see how the scenes are playing out and feeling. So, so maybe you know the dailies aren't quite what they used to be. Dailies used to be at the end of the day they'd get you a you know a rough print, and the directors could look at that and see, oh okay, this is where we're headed. You know, but um, come on, 
if you're going to spend that kind of money, if you're going to take $42 million on a movie like that, to say, well, you know what? Let's not. Or let's just chisel off a million off of that. Let's just take a million dollars off of that and give it to Jim and Amy Fitzsimmons. Just give it to us. Just a million dollars. That's all we're asking for. Just a million dollars. We'd be set. We'd be we'd be fine. We wouldn't ask you for any other mo- money. We'd be fine. We'll, we'd promise to go see all your movies when they come out because we could afford to now. But just just instead of wasting it on a piece of crap, just give us the million. We were watching... Amy and I were watching some of this. Uh, you know the Mystery Science Theater 3000? Uh, it it developed it, it 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 originated here in the Twin Cities when it first came out. It was on local TV, and uh, my older brother caught onto it quick, and he let me know about it. And so the two of us would watch it, and and uh, and really enjoyed it. And then it went to cable, and I didn't have cable because I was living with my parents, and they didn't believe in cable. And uh, so it went there, and then it's like, oh great, now I don't get to see it anymore. And then you know things happened, uh, and it kind of went uh, it went away for a little bit, but sort of still there, there would be these things where the people involved in these shows would go from town to town, and they'd have a movie and they'd show it in a theater, and then they'd do it live in front of an audience. They do that kind of thing. Well, Netflix has brought back Mystery Science Theater three thousand uh, a couple of years ago. I think it first uh, came back to. Uh, Netflix. I mean, new episodes with new characters, and it's the same robots, but they're different actors playing them. And uh, there was a movie on there uh, that they that on their most recent season called Atlantic Rim, which is a pretty much a direct ripoff of the movie Pacific Rim, except it didn't have the budget. <laughs> Uh, they had an, just enough money to do some CGI stuff with it. They had the balls to do a lot of the CGI s- scenes in daylight. Because a lot of these movies, you'll notice that a lot of the CGI heavy stuff, like uh, Pacific Rim and and uh, Godzilla, when that came out, with the more recent one and the new one that's coming out, a lot of the stuff takes place at night, in the dark, so that can hide... You know the CGI is easier to to pull off that way. Not that they can't pull it off in the full daylight scenes, but uh, this movie, most of the CGI stuff in the in the second half of the movie was in daylight, and uh, and it's just I don't know what kind of money that movie would have needed to be made, but you could take that money and as I said, just give it to Amy and I. Just give it to us, and and we'll be fine. So, and and you won't have to subject the world to such a terrible movie. Well, okay. Who knows? As I said, I could be wrong about the Holmes and Watson thing. Maybe it will slow burn and find its audience and all that. I'm sure it'll make its money back by the foreign markets. They'll 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 pick up the slack. I'm sure that'll happen. But who knows? Anyway. You know, I think I've probably talked about this before, but you know how in old TV shows and movies, they 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 will do things that you can't do in the real world. You know that, right? You know, like Star Wars, you can't do that in the real world. Star Trek, you know, it's that kind of thing. But, but they will do things on on police shows. I was I I have the entire series of uh, Columbo, uh, the you know the good Columbo. You know, the, from the 1970s, not the stuff that came out in the late 80s into 
the 2000s. I think that's how far it went. Uh, th that stuff just, you know, whatever I saw of that just seemed too much like Murder, She Wrote and just was not anything I was interested in. But the original Columbos, sure, there could be a clunker in there, here and there, but for the most part, it's pretty cool. I, I mean, I really like the character Columbo, and a lot of people do like the character Columbo, and that's why he's so popular. And and I enjoy watching the shows. It's sort of a, you can just watch them and you put them on. It's it's one of those things you put it on that you, you, you have it in the background and just kind of listen to it while you're doing something else. Or if, if you fall asleep during it, you're not upset because I know it and I'll just, I'll watch it again. You know, it's just, it's, it's one of those kinds of things. It's just a real comforting show. And there's one episode in particular, although I think they do it in another one There's a, where this, a similar thing happens. Uh, it's toward the end of the series, and there's an episode called Playback. And there's this uh, German actor, who I can't remember his name, but he was in the movie Jules and Jim. I think he played Jules. Um, he's, he's in this, he plays the, the murderer, and he, he kills his mother-in-law, and he's a tech-savvy guy. He's a... He's a, uh, a a research genius into technology stuff, and he has the you know the clapper that opens the door, and he's got all this this nifty stuff in his in his mansion, um, including uh, 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 security cameras and all this kind of stuff, and he he, he murders his mother-in-law, and he make rigs it up so the cameras make the the room in which she's lying dead look as though it's an empty room. And then he gets everything rigged up so that the, the security guard is watching it. He doesn't see anything happen. And then he uh, and then at a certain time, his uh, his all his tape players, his uh, videotape players, all switch on the right whatever shot. You know, the, and and the guard sees this thing happen and he goes in and finds the mother-in-law dead. And that sets up the the guy's alibi because he's at some art gallery showing. And he has to bring an invitation to to get in to this art gallery showing. And he makes a show of what time it is and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he has to bring the invitation. And the way Columbo catches him is he's looking at the videotape and he sees the in the empty room portion, he sees something that strikes his eye. And I mean his eye because he just had the one, uh, or the actor did. There's speculation as whether or not the character Columbo had one eye or not. Because sometimes, there's been a couple of times where he drops a little statement that makes it sound like maybe he, maybe the character also has just the one good eye. But anyway, uh, or just the one eye. He's got a glass eye. Peter Falk did. Anyway, so he spots this something. And when you see the video that he spots it in, it's a, it's a desktop. And on the corner of the desk, there's a little letter holder. And, and in that letter holder is this white blob that's in somewhat rectangular shape, but it's a white blob. And he says, can you blow that up? Can you, en can you enlarge that? Or as we say now, enhance. Can you, uh, can you blow that up? And, and the technician blows that up, and you get a perfect copy, a perfect image of the invitation that is on the desk when he's supposed to be at this art gallery thing, and he had to bring the invitation with him. So they... He, Columbo figures out that this was taped earlier and was played while the body was laying there and all that. He and that's how he trips up the uh, the murderer and catches him. And I went, oh come on, you can't. It's a white blob on some videotape. You you can't enlarge that and make it 
turn up. And I have an example, a real life example, of a photograph uh, that, that is of me. I, I was going through some old stuff, trying to bring back the Throwback Thursdays on Facebook. Remember that? Remember Thursdays? People would put up old pictures of themselves and their families or stuff. You know, and, and for Throwback Thursdays, remember when that happened? Well, that's not happening anymore because everybody's so busy being angry at each other. So I'm trying to do what I can to bring it back. And, and I found this, this Polaroid of me in the corner of my bedroom at the time. This is somewhere between 1983 and 1986. Uh, I was going to art school. So I'm sitting at my art desk and I'm working on some piece of art. And somebody was in the room. I don't know who took the picture with a Polaroid camera. So it's an instant photo thing. And took a picture of me. And in, in it, you can see the uh, there's a Farrah poster on the door. It's a poster from the, the Logan's Run movie that she was in. And you can see a Clash poster on one wall. And above me, hanging in the corner of the ceiling, in the corner of the room, is a character that I would make out of foam rubber. And, 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 I, and I had a, a surg sur uh, surgical smock that I would pin up just so, so that gravity would hold it and look like it's a form in there. And I'd create this face out of the foam rubber and, and stuff. And I'd have that hanging from the corner of my room. Pretty creepy, but that was the kind of kid I was then. And... Uh, and I, um, <clears throat> I wish I, could, I, I, well, I can't exactly tell you what year it was because I don't know. Didn't write it down on the thing. There's no, there's, there's no information on a Polaroid that, that you could pull off of there. So unless I had written it down on, on the picture, I don't know exactly when it is. Just that I know that it's somewhere between 1983 and 1986 because that's when I was in art school. But on the wall above my, my shoulder is a calendar. And I remember that calendar, uh, not perfectly well, but well enough that the calendar um, was, you know, it's got the, the page with the illustration and then below it is the, you know, the days of the month. And the illustration, it was not a Norman Rockwell calendar but the the illustrations were uh, done in the style that was supposed to make make it feel like it was a Norman Rockwell sort of illustration series and and you and you know it's a calendar you can see it back there so uh, I, I did this and I'll put this on the show notes page you go to dimland.com you click on the blog option you'll get to the show notes when you get there you'll see it I, I, I enhanced the picture. I blow it up, blow up that section, and it doesn't, you can't read the calendar. You can't read the date. It's just a blob. So this, so whenever you see these old things where they do the enhance, I mean, even Blade Runner has its little, the original Blade Runner has this thing where the computer can look into a photograph and turn corners and do, do some fascinating things. But it's Blade Runner. It's a great movie. So what the hell, I'll, 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 I'll shrug that off. Because that's the future. That's 2019. That's the future, man. Uh, 2019 is going to be awesome because we're going to have replicants and flying cars and machines that can look at pictures and turn corners and enhance and all that kind of stuff. But alas, you can't enhance that. But what I can do is go to my first break. Wow, I made it to my first break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I shall return.
You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Lord, honey, can somebody tell me what my future holds? Hey, man, you think I can get a reading? Uh, Wrong answer. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Dr. Dim, Jim Fitzsimmons, only on Z Talk Radio. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. Got new dreams. See what? You got what? Got new dreams, and I'm gonna make them real. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Let's see. Um, you know I am a comic book collector. I do some work at a comic book store. Um, I, I, I don't buy as many comic books now as I, as I used to. And, I'm, and it, actually, it's pretty rare that I buy them now. But um, back when I was an active collector, when I first started collecting comic books... In the early 1970s, I was pretty hit and miss. Uh, my older brother would buy them. My younger brother would buy them, and and I and I, you know, I I think we all three of us would buy just oh that's cool, that's a cool cover. I like that. Ooh, that, you know, get that. That's that's the kind of at least that's the kind of way I did it. You know, I just that looks cool. And then um, uh, I got this friend uh, Todd. Um, he and I became best friends uh, for for you know through those grade school years and into junior high school, and he had a great comic book collection. I his was just so so cool, and we were both into Marvel comics, and his collection was well taken care of. He didn't draw on his or cut pictures out or anything like that. I did that on mine. In the early days, uh, his were in good shape. They were organized, and they were long runs of titles. He and 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 he was explaining to me how you know there's a storyline that runs through these these comic books. You know, Marvel Comics. I'm sure DC did similar stuff, but Marvel Comics would have long story runs that would go from issue to issue to issue, and sometimes. Uh, quite often, actually, they would kind of just just have a frame or two in a, in one issue that would be addressing something that wouldn't be paid off until six months later, maybe even a year later. They would just have a little something, and then in, in another couple months or something, they'd have a another little something that would happen that would just 
that would start to put together that something's coming, some some other story is developing here, and and you know if you didn't buy month you know each issue after each issue you would you would not catch that you would miss out on that kind of stuff and Todd taught me that, and so in 1978 I think it was, I started to collect in earnest. I picked some titles that I liked. Uh, uh, the, Todd was getting those too, and I and I, I like wow, I like that. And so the Avengers was one of my my first uh, titles that I started buying faithfully each month, and and it's one of my favorites. And in fact, it's you know it still is. And I have uh, I have almost all of the first two hundred issues of that collection of that title. Uh, it started in 1963, and I've got. Number two is the earliest one that I have of that run, and I and the ones that I have left are the pretty expensive ones. So I probably never will have them, unless of course some filmmaker decides not to make a movie, and give me and Amy a million dollars, and then maybe I'd be able to buy them. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's I mean you can imagine how. It, it, how excited we were as kids that uh, TV would start show, doing shows that had some comic book heroes in them. Except, and, and not just the cartoon shows, but actual shows with people in them. Live action stuff. Except, they all sucked. I mean, even when I was a kid, I thought they sucked. Um, you know, the Spider-Man thing that they tried to do, the costume looked stupid, and the Captain American one, you know, it was also, it looked stupid. And, you know, his, his shield had clear, it was made of plastic, and it had, it, 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 it didn't look like it was made of metal, and it had clear parts on it, you know, it's like, like the, a couple of the circles that are around the star in the center. It's supposed to be, you know, red, white, and blue. And with a star in the middle and blue field around that star, and then then a white ring and a and a red ring and a white and or you know or a white ring and a, well however it worked out I, I I haven't got the picture, but they would have a clear it'd be clear plastic and it looks stupid I just that, that's stupid even in my young pedantic sense I would look at that and say that's 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 God no that's stupid, the best of them was the Hulk the Incredible Hulk series with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno uh, and. You know, Bill Bixby did a nice job as best he could with it, I guess. And it's 70s TV, and it's like, yeah, so they were, you know, disco's hot now, so let's do a show where it's in a, in a discotheque. Um, you know, truckers are hot now with C, so let's have trucks and CBs. And, 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 and uh, Bill Bixby would play Dr. David Banner. And he'd be in sort of like the the fugitive, and he'd be going from town to town and helping people out, and then turning into the Hulk to break through some walls and throw some people around. And I, I you know, when I was a kid, I was like, that that Hulk is weak. That Hulk is it's. I mean, he's he's a wimp. That's not the Hulk in the comic books. The Hulk in the comic books could topple buildings. This guy could break through drywall. So what? It's like it just—it didn't work. And the Hulk in the comic books, although he wasn't the most intelligent conversationalist, could actually talk. It would be Hulk Smash, you know. He'd call—he referred to himself as Hulk, and he'd talk, uh, "Betty, Betty is Hulk's friend," you know. He'd talk like that. That's how he would—he would talk. And it's but but Lou Ferrigno just 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 growled, and it just—it just—it it just didn't work for me. As it, and and in the early days, 
of my uh, of my formative years of being a pedant, uh, it really bothered me that 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 the uh, that Bill Bixby's character, even though they're both the same guy, but Bill Bixby would be playing Dr. David Banner, and that really bothered me. You know why? Because his name isn't David. The comic books that you know, the Hulk comic books came out in 1962, I think it was, and the name of the character is Bruce, not David. It's, it's David. What did they come up with, David? Why David? Oh, that bugged me. It bugged a young pedant. Why is it David? And so, you know, the first episode they show a, a gravestone with because the world thinks that he he died, and it's, and they have the his full name on there, Doctor Robert David Banner. When actually in the comic books the name is Doctor Robert Bruce Banner. And he went by Bruce in the TV show. He goes by David. Now that just that stuck in my craw. I didn't like that. And then I'd heard a couple of reasons why the name was David instead of Bruce. One was that, and I heard this from an owner from a comic book store from back in the day when I was, you know, a much more active collector. And he told me that um, the show had gotten to a uh, certain level of production where some film was in the can or props had been made or stuff. You know, they had gotten to a certain point where the script people, where the, the you know, Stan Lee, if he was, if he was ad, an advisor at all, or whoever was the advisor for the production of this thing, didn't realize they had the wrong name until too late. And it's like, well, we, we, we spent money on all this kind of stuff. We're not going to go back and change it, so that's his name. His name is David now. That seems... Even though they came from a comic book guy, that seems a little far-fetched to me. And I think back on it. It's, just, it's like somebody would have known. There's another story that I heard. And this one, I don't know how much more credible this is. But the story was that the name Bruce, you may not know this. You might be young. And you may not understand this. But in the 1970s, for some reason, the name Bruce was... so. Sort thought of being a, as being a gay name, you know. You know, so when when somebody I don't maybe because of the uh, the s sound in it. Oh, Bruce! You know, you could do the 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 fae, you know, stereotypical gay lisping sound, and Bruce had that. I don't I don't know, but we went to, I went to school with a kid named Bruce, and he got a little bit of grief for that because you know kids are terrible people, and. And, I, that's, and they thought, well, we don't want him being thought of as gay. I don't know that, that if that's the reason, but that's something happened. So that bothered me. So we, I'd hoped for years that they would be able to do something like that. And then now they can because of you know, the technology. They're able to create movies like the Avengers movies that have been coming out, and Black Panther, and even the DC movies, and all that, they, you know, uh, uh, even though they're not quite as good, except for the Batman ones that Christopher Nolan made, um, they're able to create these, these worlds, and they're, they're, you know, believable as far as a, a movie goes. And it's exciting. It's kind of cool. But, <laughs> long preamble to get you into this little story here. I blogged about this a couple weeks ago. A friend of mine 
uh, we were together uh, hanging out, watching some movies. Uh, he and I and another guy. And he brought up, uh, I'm not sure how it came up, but he brought up this issue of, uh, of Avengers Comics. The original series of the Avengers, issue number 200. And he sees how crazy that is. This is a this is a story that's just hard to believe that this got past the Comics Code Authority. That was the the organization that comic books created in order to police the kind of stuff that's in comic books to make the the the, the U.S. government happy. Because in the 1950s, they thought comic books were leading to delinquency and and uh, so. In order to get them off their backs, they came up with this thing. So you can't use certain words, you can't show certain things, you can't, you know, that, that sort of thing. All right, so here's this crazy story that came up. Now, you see if you think I'm wrong. If you read the blog, this is going to be a repeat of a lot of that stuff, but what the hell. Okay, there's a character, uh, uh, Ms. Marvel. And she was a member of the Avengers. And her, her civilian name is Carol Danvers. Her identity is Carol Danvers. And she gets pregnant. And the thing is, uh, it's not only is it a super fast pregnancy, meaning she's, she's get, she, one day she's just told she's pregnant, and the next day she's halfway along. And the day after that, she's almost ready to give birth. I mean, it's just bang, bang, bang. It's just happened like that. And... Uh, this is, issue 200 is the, the big crazy story, but the buildup starts in number uh, 197, where she finds out she's pregnant. Then in 198, she's talking to another character of the Avengers, where she nearly tells the other character, Scarlet Witch, nearly tells her that she's a virgin. She says, "I've never even," and then she says, "Blast it, Wanda! There is no father." Okay, so, <clears throat> so now. You know, so we've got like virgin birth setting up here. <laughs> Merry Christmas, and so she gets she has the baby by in issue number two hundred. She has the baby. It's a boy, and like the pregnancy, this baby is growing fast, and the baby's smart and and articulate. It talks almost right away. In fact, there's a there's a moment in there where Captain America is talking to this. Uh, I think he's about seven at this point. And even though it's been just a few hours, he's talking to him and he says, "What you know, um, you know, where did you come from?" And the kid says, "My mother." And he says, "Yeah, we know, but I mean, you know, how were you created?" And he says, "By my father." Yeah, okay, right, but but who is your father? And the kid says, "I am." Wait a minute, virgin birth? The kid's his own father? <laughs> Merry Christmas. So anyway, it's it, the the mother. Ms. Marvel, she wants nothing to do with the kid. You know, she's at, at first, but eventually she meets him, and by the time she meets him, he's already a young man, just about the same age that she is. And when she meets him, she has feelings, and the feelings, the stirrings, are not maternal. She's interested in this guy, and and again, not in a maternal way. Now, we find out the story of this guy. He, he, at some point, when he, he tells everybody his name is Marcus. When he was a kid, he says, my name's Marcus. It's okay, so Marcus is the son of a character called Immortus. Now, Immortus, even though this, this fellow had started life on Earth, I think he was a pharaoh in, in Egypt. It's a convoluted story. But anyway, he becomes this, this time lord, not, not like 
Doctor Who, but you know, not that series, but a Time Lord who is the master of a realm called Limbo, in which time and space are are whatever. You know, they don't really match up with anything. And he, at some point, you know, he gets a case of the hornies, and he decides, you know, I want to get an Earth woman because he's an Earth man. That's how he started. So he looks for an Earth woman to to you know pluck off the Earth and bring into Limbo so that you know he can bone her, and and he makes Marcus 1.0. Uh, the 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 mother cannot continue to exist in Limbo. She you know, blinks out of existence, and uh, so it's just dad and son. And Immortus has to go off and battle the Avengers for some reason, and he disappears, doesn't come back to Limbo, and so Marcus is all by himself. So he thinks, wait a minute, I can get out of Limbo. You know, I was born into Limbo. Maybe I can be born out of it. So he does what his dad did. He starts looking for a suitable woman, and he finds Ms. Marvel. So he zaps her into into Limbo. He wines and dines her. Uh, seduces her with the help of Shakespeare and Beethoven, and she somehow, well, she falls for him. I mean, he he worms his way into her heart, and the next thing you know, he's worming his way into her, um, so to speak. And the way he put it is, uh, he implanted his essence into her. Now, as I understand the story... There's none of her DNA is involved. There's not like he fertilized an egg. He just kind of put himself into her, and it would not be a normal pregnancy. So she's knocked up. He sends her back to the Earth place where she was just pulled from, like a second after she she pulled he pulled her into, you know, abducted her. Uh, he sends her back, and she has no memory of any of this this happening. Now, that's got to be a little awkward when she finds this stuff out. Don't you think? It's a little rapey. Don't you think? Anyway, so he he then, you know, she's then born, and then voila, there's Marcus 2.0. The Marcus 1.0 disappears once this other one exists. Um, <laughs> so the issue 200 is dealing with that while the Avengers are being attacked by all kinds of uh, out-of-time aspects because the presence of Marcus 2.0 is causing some time problems. Uh, speaking of time problems, I've come to my next break. I'll get back to this. It's bonkers. The story is bonkers. I'll get back to it when I come back. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Just sit tight. It gets it's it's a goofy story, but it's fun. <laughs> We're the station that beats all the competition, and we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Influenza season is upon us, and it can be a killer. But it's not too late to vaccinate. Usually, most cases of influenza in Minnesota don't even occur until January or February, and the season lasts all the way through April. Get a flu shot now, and you'll protect not only yourself, but those around you. See your doctor or visit mdhflu.com to find a flu clinic near you. This message from the Minnesota Department of Health. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. 
You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Wake up! Listen to Z Talk Radio on ZTalkRadio.com. Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. All right, I'm telling you about this banana story. That yeah, it, this this issue of uh, Avengers no, number 200 came out in uh, well, it's dated October 1980, which means it probably came out in uh, August of 1980. It's usually a couple of months. The date is a couple of months ahead of when the books are released. I don't know why that is, but it's just usually how it is. Okay, so. The Avengers Mansion is being attacked by out-of-time entities. You know, spacecraft from the future come and attack it. Um, a Tyrannosaurus Rex is beaten on the on the mansion, and the the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex is impossibly tall, <laughs> big. It's just too big. It's, it's not. They're just not that big. I'll link to the uh, the the blog that I wrote on this. You'll see some of the pictures in there. Anyway, so, and this is all because of uh, the presence of this Marcus guy, and he realizes that he was building a machine when he was a kid. He's, he, you know, when he got there, the, the Avengers were letting him build this machine that was supposed to put everything right, but hot-headed uh, Hawkeye shot first, asked questions later, and destroyed the machine. So that means that Marcus cannot stay, and he's not like his father. He's not evil. He's a good guy, and he does not want to destroy the Earth. He wanted to stay on the Earth and just kind of blend in. You know, he has his own, some powers like his father did, but he wasn't evil. And so he realizes, you know, I don't want to inflict uh, destruction upon this planet, and I can't stay. Uh, by the time I would make a new machine, it would be too late. So he says, he realizes he has to go home. Well, and, you know, that means, or back to limbo, and which would mean he would be there alone, but... Who steps up and says, oh, you're not going to be alone? Uh, Ms. Marvel. She goes with him. You know, back, back to the limbo. Now, I, I, I know he's not actually her son. It's, it's, there's, it, there was no exchange or, or combination of DNA. There was, it was, he put his essence in her. But he was... In her, and I mean, he gestated. He grew inside her, and she birthed them out in the way that you know babies are born. My wife hasn't told me how that happens, but you know, okay, I know. Uh, and he's born. I mean, this has got to be a little weird. This, you know, and and the 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 writing staff and the the creation staff of this story, four guys worked together on the plot and the, and the story. One of those guys wrote the script, and one of those guys did the artwork. 
there was no women involved in it. No woman, to, no mother to say, this is a little weird. Because she doesn't want to go back to limbo with Marcus to be his mother. She wants to go back to be his lover. And that's a little weird. That's, I mean, he grew inside of her. She gave birth to him. That's, I mean, that's incestuous. <laughs> now, most, I think most women would think that's weird. I know things happen, uh, but it's pretty rare. And you know, the incest thing, it's rare. So the, that's got to be, so they, I bring up these things in the, in the blog. The one thing that occurred to me that I didn't bring up in the blog because it occurred to me later. When I was writing the stuff down today, and I was going to talk about this occurred to me. Not only would it be weird on her point, I mean, and she, she seems to be like the Stockholm Syndrome. I mean, she should be upset. He plucked her out of nowhere, brings her, you know, she, or, well, not out of nowhere, she'd be, you know, out of, you know, from Earth, brings her over to Limbo, and then kind of works his magic on her, and has sex with her, and... So it's and then wipes her memory, sends her back, so she goes through all this. I mean, that's like I said, it's kind of rapey, and I would imagine most women would be a little, would be more than a little upset with that. But no, she's she, she's attracted to this guy. Okay, okay. So so there's the Stockholm syndrome thing with her, and and this weird incestuous aspect from her end. But what about him? Now, Marcus 1.0 fine he's scoping out earth and he finds a hot babe and says yeah i can bring her in and i can you know i can get it on with her okay fine but marcus 2.0 <laughs> he grew inside her he came out through you know the joke there's a joke about uh uh, uh, uh heterosexual men's attitude uh, uh toward a certain part of a woman's anatomy you know the 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 vagina, and they say you know the vagina. Yes, it's uh, 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 men spend uh, the first nine months of their existence trying to get out, and then the rest of their lives trying to get back in. Yeah, most most men. Yeah, except not the same vagina, not the one they came out of. They, I mean, there might be a very tiny percentage of men that might be into that, but. For the most part, uh, the vast majority of men that are interested in that part of the anatomy and getting in there, uh, it's a different one. It's not the one they came out of. So this has got to get weird for Marcus and Ms. Marvel. It's got to get weird when they're. It's like you know, I I'd like, but. I mean, you're my mom. I mean, but, you know, and I I know, and you're my son. And, oh, it's got to get weird there in Limbo. This is a crazy story. That no, it, it, How it got past the Comics Authority, or Comics Code Authority, how it got past them, I don't know, and how the the writing staff, and how the editors and people looking at that, yeah, that's okay. That's a good idea. <laughs> it's crazy. Ah. <sighs> You know what else is crazy? This this weird uh, hang-up I have with uh, with uh, uh, with pedantic things. I've got one of them for you right now. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah. 
this ought to be good. Well, uh, last week I talked about pan and scan, and I, I realize it's a it's a complaint about how movies were converted to fit your screen uh, on your TV screen. It, I realize it's been pretty much solved because everybody's got a widescreen TV now. So, you know, full screen films, pan and scan is no longer a big deal. But I figured I'd complain about it anyway. And I, I blogged about it this past week uh, because what the hell. And part of the reason why uh, I, I decided to blog about it this 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 week was uh, I watched the movie Tombstone again. Uh, it was that's from 1993. Kurt Russell and uh, Val Kilmer, Michael Bean, uh, Dana Delaney, um, Sam Elliott, and uh, Bill Paxton. Uh, it's a, a good cast. It's a it's a movie that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, much like the Holmes and Watson movie. Uh, was released without first, you know, giving the the critics a first view. Most most movies when they come out, the critics get a a, a, a preview so that they can write their you know, reviews of the movies. Well, sometimes the studios know they have a clunker on their hands, and that's another reason why it's, Holmes and Watson looked pretty bad. Um, and so they didn't let critics watch it. Well, I think the same thing happened with Tombstone. For some reason, they didn't. The, the producers, the studio, didn't think the critics were going to like that one. And the movie came out, and it got a great buzz from the audience. And I remember reading Ebert's review, and I think this is where I learned this little bit from. And and Ebert reviewed it and thought it was pretty good. <laughs> so I don't know why they didn't show it to us. So okay, there's a scene in there that uh, has. Um, uh, Johnny Ringo and Doc Holliday meeting for the first time. They're in a saloon and it's a wide shot. And it's on a wide screen. And you got Ringo at uh, the far left side of the screen and you got um, Doc Holliday on the far right of the screen. And you can just imagine what it would be like to go pan and scan that. Because they're supposed to be on screen at the same time in some of these shots. Sure, they go into for some close-ups here and there, reaction shots from other people in the scene. But for the most part, you know, when they when they go to that wide shot, the two characters are supposed to be seen at the same time, as well as all the people around them. They're all supposed to be seen at the same time. So that's why the pan and scan would ruin movies. Okay, so that's why I blocked it. But, but that's not the pedantic moment. The pedantic moment is the point in the film where they depict the the big gunfight at the OK Corral. Now, most of the other movies that deal with uh, the Earps, um, there's the there's the movie called The Gunfight at OK Corral, which has uh, uh, Burt Lancaster and um, uh, Kirk Douglas playing uh, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday, uh, respectively. And then there's uh, the movie uh, My Darling Clementine that's got um, uh, Henry Fonda as as uh, Wyatt Earp and Victor Mature as uh, Doc Holliday. Those two movies, the the climax of the movie is the gunfight. But that's what's different about Tombstone. Tombstone has the the gunfight. I think it's pretty much the end of the second act, and the third act is where you know, is the is the all out war that the Earps declare on. Uh, on the this gang called the Cowboys, and and okay, so I was watching this, 
and it's one of those things where just how many bullets do these guys have in their guns? Uh, uh, and specifically, Doc Holliday. Now, he's Doc Holliday, as he's depicted in this movie, is a gunman. He's a, he's a fast draw. He's accurate. He's uh, fearless when it comes to gunfights. And it, it, at first, they, they hand him the shotgun, a double-barreled shotgun. And the gunfight starts, and Doc Holliday isn't shooting right away. There's a guy hiding behind a horse. So Holliday shoots one of his barrels in the, into the air to, to startle the horse. And then he shoots the guy. That's two shots. But then there's another. Then he shoots a third. He shoots three times his double-barrel shotgun. It's just a quick succession. Bang, bang, bang. And you just watch it, you see it. And then he takes out his six shooters, which I've, I did some research and found out they're 41, cal, you know, the 41 caliber uh, Colt Thunderers. And they're six shooters. So how many bullets? Now this is just watching just what I could see. And I had to play the scene back and forth a few times and count. But from what I could see, he fires off eight rounds, eight bullets uh, from his, uh, from the right, from his right hand, the gun in his right hand. He's got one in each hand. Eight bullets with the one in the right hand and nine with the one in the left. <laughs> and there's no time for him to change, to, to reload. No time at all. He's just bang, 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 bang. He just keep going. There's, there's somebody that's supposed to be in charge of continuity saying, okay, he's only got 12 bullets. To work with, we can't. It, it's just ah, come on, nobody's gonna notice. Well, I did. All right. Uh, what? How much time have I got here? I only have about a minute or so to get this done. So, uh, I'll do the three cool things. First one is the New Horizons probe spacecraft. You know, that's the one that uh, NASA sent out there and got pictures of Pluto about three years ago. Do you realize? It's already about a billion miles past Pl Pluto in three years' time. That's insane. And it's coming up on some object that's called Ultima Thule. And it's in the Kuiper Belt, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's just part of, the, part of our solar system. And it's just rocketing it away. So we might be getting some pictures of this Ultima Thule. Uh, and, but, I mean, it's already a billion miles, or almost a billion miles past Pluto. That's crazy. Uh, number two, the series uh, Black Mirror. It's on Netflix. It's streaming. I guess they just put out a, a, a movie, um, which is an interactive thing. Amy's been watching it. You can. It's one of those choose-your-own-pathway through the movie. It's like the stories in the book. He said, okay, should your character do this or this? If you want to do this, turn to page 92. If you want to do this, turn to page 85 or whatever. You know, it's like, and, and it takes you through, the mysteries are different, the, the story is different depending on how you want to go. So it's one of those kinds of things. But we just finished up watching the latest season. And the series is, it's a, it's, it's a modern day uh, uh, you know, it's. I mean, it's today's version of the Twilight Zone. It's uh, it's British, so you get a lot of you get a lot of British stuff going on in there. Um, it's a uh, it's it's a lot more, you know, filled with f bombs and and sex, and it's a lot more adult in its in its content. 
you if you if you start from watching the first episode, that one's gonna if you can get past that one because that one's a difficult one because the the prime minister of England, in order to save a kidnapped young woman, has to do something on live TV that involves a, a barnyard animal, and if yes, but all the stories take place just a little bit in the future. Where the tech, you know, like maybe 50 years in the future or something like that. They don't say what years they are, but they, the technology is just a bit advanced, but not so far advanced from what we have. And one of the coolest aspects of it, a lot of these episodes are, they're, they are kind of, a lot of them are real downers types. And so that's nice when they have, they have some, some up-ending ones. That end up happy. They, they have some of those, but they're all they, they just they, they mess with your mind, but they make you think, and they're very entertaining. And they're very well done and acted and written and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and the most the most recent season or the latest season, which I think is season four, each episode, and I didn't realize this until Amy pointed it out. I was just accepting the stories and watching them. They all have strong female lead characters. We follow a female, we follow a woman, and that's not, you know, even today, that's not as common as it should be. And I, and when she pointed it out to me, I said, you know, you're right. They all do. All of them have it, and it's great. And it's great. So that's really cool. And then the other thing is uh, the third cool thing. Uh, I was invited to do a piece of art for a, a gallery showing at a, at a record store, I guess it is. And it has to do with uh, taking an album cover or the actual vinyl record that goes into the album. You know, the old vi vinyl r albums. You know, they're, they're 12 square, you know, 12 inches square uh, cover. You take an existing album cover and do some art with it. Um, do so and so I took a, an old Disney record. I have two copies of it. And uh, so I took one that's the newer copy, and it's a little bit different text layout, so it worked just fine. It's worked well with uh, what I wanted to do with it. And it's the the name of the album is uh, uh, "Chilling, Thrilling Sounds of the Haunted House." You may be familiar with this this record. It's got sound effects on it, little stories that are told. A narrator tells you a little story, and then they play some sounds to tell you, you know, so you can hear what what you know the setup of it. And yeah, and and then it's just and then the second side is all full of sound effects. Well, what I did was the the album cover shows a haunted house. Uh, there's you know behind a graveyard. There's a there's a dead tree in the foreground. There's grass blowing. It's at night. There's lightning of a lightning bolt in the sky, and it's eerie looking. So what I did was I took that illustration and I repainted it. Um, and I turned it into a daylight sequence. I took, I painted out all the gravestones, made the grass green because the, the whole color cast of the original illustrations is blue. So the, gla the grass is actually blue and not green. So I turned the grass green. I, I brought the tree to life, so I leafed it out. I took out the word chilling from the title and haunted. So it's the thrilling sounds of the house. And I think it turned out okay. Um, and I'm going to be putting that in a into a, uh, the gallery show. So that's that was pretty cool of uh, the the three the three cool things that uh, that I brought up for the show. It's kind of neat to be able to do some art. Um, anyway, so I hope you've had at least three cool things happen for you. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. 
Made it to the end of another show. Uh, it's a bonkers story that uh, that that Avengers thing. I mean, that was not some underground ground book. That's a mainstream comic book. Well, anyway, be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. I'm your host, Jim Doctor Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off and wishing you a happy new year. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for, for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. What? 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 Well, well I'm going, going to hell. hell.